Hello and welcome to another episode of the Talking City podcast here by the Manchester Evening News. I am your host Ash Barami and I am pleased to be joined by Simon Mikowski. Hello. And Ian Cheeseman. Evening. It's the first time I remember I've seen you in a while, Ian. It's oh, been... Well, yeah, at least um, I'm giving you something to look forward to when you only see me sporadically. Yeah. Evening. Well, the could be afternoon. Still, the evening. Could be. I, I try and stay away from... From those kind of greetings, precisely because well, I think morning. Who knows when they're listening? Confuses people in the time night. zones. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, I think last time we sat on this table, Ian might have been when Liverpool might have had a ten-point lead, and it might have been a, maybe a month or two ago. Now it's not that long ago, actually. But no. I know what you mean. The lead was certainly bigger than it is yeah. uh, now because there isn't one, um, and situations change quite a bit. And obviously, I've seen a lot of debate on social media from particularly uh, City fans, sort of saying that the bottle in it and pointing at different ways that Klopp's reacted to different situations. Most recently, the ball boy um, blaming the wind and blaming the long grass and blaming everything else. And and uh, and you know suggesting that that is an indication that uh, Liverpool are cracking up. I'm not sure I'd quite buy into all those rumours quite in that way, but still, City have kept their cool, kept uh, getting the results. They might not have been the sweeping performances that they've had in the past against many many teams actually in the Premier League this season. It's not as free flowing goal wise as it has been. City clearly have only scored one goal in open play now in four games effectively four and a half games if you count the extra time as well at Wembley so it has changed it It is that's a good stat you like that you like stats don't you yeah I like that one yeah yeah so, yeah. so Mares's goal is that the one? The only open, open play? play goal, yeah. Three it's goals the in the last from, three games from Sergio. Um, you know, obviously yeah. nil nil at Wembley um, yeah. against Chelsea. Three in the last three, yeah. Two uh, one nils and a nil nil. Yeah. So it's it, it, the you know they're showing the gritty side, aren't they? City. They're, they sh- they're showing just the winning winning spirit, like that almost what Liverpool aren't doing. Bournemouth, particularly though. I mean, I mean. You know, we've we've you know joked about United Park in the bus in Derby matches in recent years, but by comparison, Saturday what was, Bournemouth did was like that times ten. It was because, dreadful, wasn't it? It was a dreadful yeah. football match. It was awful, really bad. Like you're sitting there watching it, thinking this is not football. I was sitting next to some commentators who called it anti-football, but like you know, if you want to defend that deep against City, fine. You know, Bournemouth had quite a few players out and they've been beaten by Arsenal heavily. So maybe you want to show a different side to your game. To sort of, you know, not show any ambition when it's nil-nil is one thing. To not show it when you're one-nil behind. To not have a shot at goal on target or off target. (laughs) It's strange though, isn't it? Because we don't really con... We don't think about Bournemouth like that. We think like we're an attacking exactly. team yeah, yeah. and they go for yeah. it. And they've got nothing to lose, they? beat they? Chelsea 4 yeah. 0 at home like three weeks ago or something. They're a very good team when they attack. I can understand Eddie Howe wanting to um, sort of take it more conservatively. And I didn't know until I tweeted at full time that they'd had zero shots and zero targets that apparently a lot of people think he's a fraud, which is a nice word that people yeah. throw around for someone who's has. Who does well, basically. It's a very big football Twitter word. That, yeah. Ford. Yeah. It's, it's right up there. You know, the top of the trending words. Bournemouth up to the Premier League and turned them into one yeah. very good team. But I, I was disappointed with them 
on Saturday because I thought they didn't try and play any kind of football, did they? They shouldn't showed no bravery and from Eddie Howe's team and I don't certainly don't think he is a fraud or what Bournemouth have achieved is a fraud. I think it's absolutely amazing, frankly, and yeah. I couldn't praise them more highly. Um but that was what you might call an out-of-character performance, which I can only put down to the hammering they took in midweek and the fact that two of those in a week would have been very psychologically damaging to them. So they will probably come away with a 1-0 defeat and think, great result, good performance, we're back on course again. So they achieved what they wanted to achieve. City ultimately achieved what they wanted to achieve. So everybody goes home happy, except if you've paid 40, 50 quid to be entertained, which I get that a lot of fans who go to football are purely there for tribal reasons or certainly that's a big part of it so winning it so I obviously talk to a lot of City fans and City fans say to me don't matter any result will do 1-0 every match this season terrible performance don't care as long as we win the league now I get that but it isn't what I want to watch really ultimately uh, week in week out I want to be entertained as well and obviously you can't put any fault at the door of City for the fact that that was an atrocious game because they did everything that they could to break them down and as you've said if if uh, you'd have expected them at least to have come out a little bit once City broke through uh, but they didn't so I get both sides of the argument uh, maybe it's a game to sort of move on from and forget and hope that next up when they play Watford where Watford are in a position where they haven't got a lot to lose and I know you just said ask yourself um, I can't remember if you said it when we were recording or before but you know basically you know why would Bournemouth not have had, had a go because they have nothing to lose or well, Watford certainly have nothing to lose so you would hope especially away from home that they would come and have a go Um but we'll see. They came and had a go at Anfield, though, and got beat 5-0. Yeah. <laughs> Is the worry for City. That might, that might have been why. might have been in Eddie Howe's head. But, I mean, after, after the game, Pep described it as one of the best performances City have played. Si, do you understand them comments? And do you... do you, Or do you dis- disagree, maybe? Um, I... Do you think it's, it's strange comments? It's no. Do you think it was? No, not at all. I wouldn't necessarily say that was like the best performance I've seen from a City side because I think, you know, I tend to view performances against like very good top six teams or European teams as like more, more valuable. But I think if you were to watch Guardiola post Bournemouth and watch him post Newcastle when they'd lost up there, and they could have gone seven points behind again. I think you would see two completely different men. You know, City had a really tough February ahead and they've won eight games in February and start of March. And now they're at this point where they're in four competitions and the Premier League leaders again. They've got another title and they have got a few injuries. But if you listen to Pep Guardiola and you watch him, he senses that this is on they can do something really, really fantastic this season because, you know, they've made it through one of the toughest points of the season and they've done, they've exceeded his expectations. So I think that's what the comments after Bournemouth were about because he's so happy that they've made it through this point and they've, you know, come back and shown, shown him that they want to win the league and win every trophy this season. 
Yeah, and, and Ian, for you, is, after them comments, would you say it's, it is because of it? Maybe there's so many fixtures City have had and the way they've dealt with it. Maybe That's, that's obviously part of it, but, it, but you know how, how much football is in the head. And he's a man manager and he's, he's probably the best in the business at the moment, if not of all time, frankly. And so therefore... Uh, playing that game if you want to call it that with your players of giving them the boost when they are feeling exhausted when they feel as if they've had to work and in that specific game there was no end result we didn't know what the outcome of Everton versus Liverpool was going to be and obviously there's still nine games to go so to, to give them that lift because he knows that they will see the quotes the players and they will hear the sound bites um, if I was a player in that team that's exactly what I would want to hear from my manager so whilst he's not lying and he's not saying something that he doesn't believe in he is saying something I think with premeditation and understanding the psychology of football so hats off to him because I think that was exactly what what they needed and obviously we've now seen the players many of them go over to uh, you know Paris as in uh, Sergio Aguero and pose in front of the Eiffel Tower and everything and have these real relaxing times where the pressure's off and I mean speaking as a fan speaking as a journalist whatever you want to describe me as I felt the mental exhaustion even watching the games of the incessant game every three days and I know we've discussed before on this podcast you know that the advantages and disadvantages of being in City or Liverpool's position of having less games or more games and I think it was pointed out this week probably by Pep that City have played 10 games more than Liverpool Um, and it's important to get your head right in this situation because they've got a lot of huge games coming coming up none of them are going to be gimme even Swansea in the FA Cup is not going to be a gimme game Um, then it's potentially they get through that it could be United at Wembley in the semi-final in between two legs of a Champions League game possibly against Real Madrid or Barcelona or whatever (laughs) so they're not going to ease up so you've got to massage the the mind yeah. not the ego get... the mind of a, of a player to keep them going and, yeah. and we've been we've been sat in press conferences all season where you know the same questions get asked sometimes because different people are there who aren't there all the time and sometimes because you ask the same question and you'll get a different answer and Guardiola has been asked a lot hasn't he whether this team are better than this his team last season whether they've improved and pretty much every other time he's been asked he's sort of not dodged the question but just written it off so it don't matter it don't matter and yet on Saturday he said yes yes we're better and I don't care whether we win the league or not but I think we're better and like you were saying Ian it just lifts the players and keeps that feeling because you you said you felt the exhaustion but do you now feel a lot different than you did Yes. At St. James's Park. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> yes, of course. And, and, and that's the effect it has on, on everybody. So he's playing the game. 
Yeah. I mean, whether these comments by Raheem Sterling, who's, who was quoted as when he was asked on Sky about Liverpool, um, and and he was asked about the what what the mood was like when he was a Liverpool player when Liverpool slipped up and City won the league, and he he said, which is a very predictable and understandable reply. Yes, there is a lot of pressure, a weight of expectation from Liverpool fans, and sometimes that is you know you can feel that as a player. So he answered that question in first of all a very logical analytical and fair way but then that is somehow spun by uh, maybe Liverpool fans or, or whatever just, just generally because in the media we all spin things to create stories I get that so, the, so therefore the spin on that is that it, this is some sort of mind game from Raheem Sterling to try and create more pressure at Liverpool which is nonsense really but, but also I mean like th- there's literally no one that can knock that down no, of course not. There's nobody <laughs> that true. was in the Liverpool 2013 well, 14 that challenge as well, yeah. that is now in the City 17 18, I think. For me, no, I don't think it was there. No, but I mean, they're not in oh, the City yeah. camp now. Oh, I see, yeah. There's yeah. no one who's made the switch. Maybe, yeah. you know, Milner can talk about the opposite. Yeah. Um, which, you know, that'd be interesting. Be interesting if anyone. If anyone from the Merseyside pack is listening to this podcast and they want to ask James Milner that, I'd be interested to hear that. But it's um, it, it's it's his experience. So people saying it's mind games or or whatever, it's just literally his opinion. Yeah. We're here in the media about mind games. We're here on social media about people being frauds. But this is a question of both of you. Do you, I'll start with you, Ian. Do you think Liverpool are starting to feel the heat in this title race now or is it just one of them things and they've just gone through a little patch of draws or whatever, it's which five, happens? five out of the last seven, isn't it, that they've drawn? I mean, what I would say is that this league title um, chase is a long, long way from over yet. Yeah. There's some huge games to go. Um, as I sat watching Liverpool against Everton on Sunday, clearly not wanting Liverpool to win. So we sort of got, I'd have preferred, obviously, a late Everton winner. But I didn't leap off my sofa thinking, that's it, City have won the league. Uh, and I didn't go all over social media saying, I'd Advantage City and everything because that can come back to bite you on the bottom but I do feel as if psychologically it has probably a bigger well certainly as big if not bigger effect on Liverpool because when you've been in that prime position it's like I used to watch Dave Bedford run 10,000 metres uh, you know in my youth and he re- led from the front and no matter how strong he was the second that guy who was behind you comes up level with you or goes past you it almost breaks you I mean, I've run, albeit as a rubbish amateur, but I've run marathons. And the worst thing that can happen is as you are running along, somebody who seems fresher, come, it doesn't matter who they are. It doesn't matter where they ultimately beat you. But when they've been could, in a taxi. Yeah. They just come past you like it's no effort. You might have been for an hour or two in, that, in a marathon environment, running along at a tempo and pace. And suddenly, as that person goes past you, it shatters you. Suddenly you feel all that tiredness. Now, Liverpool having led by 10 points, if I was a Liverpool player, I would be thinking, 
We've blown it. It's like it's like the penalty shootout when I've often said that in a penalty shootout, if you miss the very, this was disproven by the way at Wembley, but if you miss the first one, then then often you go on to win it because all the pressure then goes on the the team who think all we've got to do now is score all our penalties and we've won it. Now the other the the, the opposite view of that could be have City gone ahead of Liverpool too early with nine games to go because now from now on does the pressure go the other way because now it's cities to lose and once Liverpool have got over the fact that they've fallen behind and thrown away so it might not happen immediately but in two or three games from now if Liverpool is still one point behind City does the psychology go the other way I'm hoping that the experience City have got and the type of manager that they've got means it won't happen and there is a time coming fairly soon where because of potentially an FA Cup semi-final um, and because, of course, they're in the quarterfinal, that Liverpool will get one or two games ahead. So even though they're still chasing, there yeah. could be a, a point soon where they're five points clear again, couldn't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which so then, yeah. That, that's it. But I, I'm talking myself in circles here <laughs> because then City are chasing again and it become, feels a bit like it's Liverpool's to lose. But I love all this psychology. I did a bit of psychology at uni, so I love all this psychology stuff, don't you? And. I do. I'm not sure it's all psychology. I think it, it's, it's got to be a lot of it. It's surely, partly just like a like teams tire in the second half of the season, and City tired when they won the league last season, even going all the way to 100 points. The second half of the season, they weren't. That could have been partly because the league was by Christmas. You knew you everyone was fairly yeah, confident. The city was yeah, league, but I mean, Conte's Chelsea the season before they kind of had it won by yeah. Jan Feb and then sort of fell over the line. I think it's impossible to keep up such form for the whole um, whole of the campaign. But I think the the big advantage City have got is that. Liverpool seemed affronted on Sunday by the fact that Everton had just come to keep them out. And the, you know, I think Virgil van Dijk said after the game where it says a lot about them if they're happy with a point against us. And it's like, yeah, we're at a point in the season where everyone's played you once this season. It's getting more towards the point where things matter sort of for each club. And, you know, they, they don't want to be beaten by you. And they've got more evidence to show how they how they won't be beaten by you. You know, City beat seven, Stoke seven two in the um, last season, and then they went to Stoke away and had a much tougher game. Ended up winning two nil, I think. But teams will not want to be beaten. Now City have had this for at least a year, and any Liverpool players in that they couldn't believe that Everton didn't want to win should have watched how negative Bournemouth were. Because City had an awful lot of 10 men, 11 men behind the ball. It, not even behind the ball, but sort of only as far as their penalty area. Um, but this City team is built to unlock those tight defences. Can so, I ask a supplementary question to that then? Go for it, yeah. So Liverpool's team, it feels to me, whilst there are some similarities of high pressing and an, an energetic football, which they do in patches, which is very effective, mm. I, I think ostensibly a team to play on the counter-attack. City's team is about possession and trying to break teams down. 
So is City's philosophy more likely to break down a stubborn defence? The evidence suggests it is because they did it against Bournemouth. You could almost argue that, I'm not suggesting West Ham were quite as bad, but they almost did the same thing against West Ham. Um, You know, and, and they didn't lose their way against Chelsea when they did the same sort of thing at Wembley. Whereas Liverpool, you feel as if their effectiveness of their front three, which is what they're all about, is negated by the fact that if you blanket defence, they can't pass their way through that blanket defence because uh, Mane is all about speed on the counter-attack, yeah. Salah's about speed on the counter-attack, and to a certain extent, Firmino is. So is City's, this is the question, is City's model more likely to get them through these last nine games successfully than it is than Liverpool's model um, yes and no oh, great answer <laughs> I, I think that you know the big disparity in the two teams is midfield and City's midfield is far better than than Liverpool's even with the injuries um, yeah yeah because that's the bit the I mean I, I've got. I, I wouldn't have played De Bruyne and Silver in the middle for the last three games because I thought there were better options, but they've played and won every game. So you've still got a strong midfield there. Um, and I think, you know, I'd have played De Bruyne and Silva if I was Jurgen Klopp and had them available every game going because they're better than what Liverpool have got. I don't think City's philosophy is at all easy to copy because it requires such like a blend of incredible players and an incredible coach to bring them together. But I just, you were talking about running. I think Liverpool have hit a wall, maybe mentally as much as physically, and that they've come up against teams who've said, we're just going to keep you out, try and score against us. And it may well turn out to be a good point in the champ, a good, not point, good result in the Champions League against Bayern. But Bayern turned up at Anfield and said, we're going to sit back score against us if you can and they couldn't and they couldn't score against United and they couldn't score against Everton and I think at the minute probably not helped by City's form Liverpool's nose is a little bit out of joint because they're finding teams who are very happy with just stopping them scoring and they're not used to that Yeah, it's almost like the strength of the first round because you always used to Straight the players of attack now you're players in the defence and you're maybe saying the attack's like almost like become weaker it's like it, they've just went in like but Liverpool are I mean, you talking about, they're about Liverpool or yeah City. Liverpool yeah Liverpool's like strength last season was their explosive attack but they've toned that down and turned up the defence in order to stay in a 38 game title race which is what they've done but it because the midfield isn't as strong. It relies so much more heavily on those front three attackers. That's great. That, that's that's the quote you need to take out to promote the podcast. <laughs> that's a great bit of You've analysis. been watching them. <laughs> <laughs> but in 2012 on City, when it, they went through a similar phase where they dropped points and you think City were maybe bottling it at some stage, but there was well, something... last season? 2012. All oh, right. Yeah, yeah the first time City won it. And I think that's probably the best way of maybe comparing it. Yeah. You probably the best person to ask, uh, Cheeseman. And do you think maybe that 2012 team, do you see anything in that 2012 City team that maybe the Liverpool team or squad lacks and might hinder against them in the title race? Well, I think that the City 2012 team had, had very strong characters in it. And... Um, 
I don't want to seem too harsh, but I look at Liverpool and at Salah at the moment, for example, who we know is such a, a big player for them, um, doesn't feel to me as if he's got that that Aguero something about him. You can argue about statistics. The bite. And, and yeah, yeah. There's, there's something about... I mean, you know, if it is apparently if he'd scored against Everton, it would have been the quickest fifty goals in Premier League history, or something like that. Um, so therefore, you would say, "Oh, that makes him—he must be better than Aguero." But sometimes you can't measure what I'm talking about by statistics. It's just something you feel and an instinct when you watch a player. And Salah was was on his game last season, but now it's coming to the crunch time. I may be proven wrong, of course, if Liverpool go and went on. On win the league but it just feels to me as if um, Aguero would have scored that goal that Pickford saved at Everton even if he'd have scuffed it or something he'd have scored found a way to get that ball through whereas what Salah did was what you expected him to do to cut in open up his body and aim that way there was nothing in that that, that was that was different or had that extra sort of grit. And I and I just feel as if the Mancini team of that era, um, Edin Dzeko um, was another player who had a little bit of that. Um, and obviously I could go through the whole team, but I just feel as if there were players in that team, Vincent Company's header against United, you know, it needed a Virgil van Dijk. If he's the best player in Europe, which is what some people are claiming, it needed a Virgil van Dijk header at Goodison Park. That that was like I'm going to win this header, whatever happens, I'm going to find a, way. and that's what Vincent Company did in that derby towards the end of the 2012, and that's what Virgil Van Dyke didn't do. Now you can put the statistics of Vincent Company and Virgil Van Dyke next to each other, and somebody might be able to prove to me that by those statistics that Virgil Van Dyke is a better defender than Vincent Company or a better footballer or whatever. But I know I'd rather have him my team when it comes to these end of season crunch games and without saying it but I will say it it would be Vincent Company and it would be Sergio Aguero so I think that's that at the moment unproven nine games to go you can end up with egg on your face by making these bold statements but that feels to me that's the difference I, I think you know I feel like we've got a new podcast Cliff yeah, <laughs> yeah. that was brilliant absolutely yeah. I, I was brilliant that <laughs> and it, it's unproven until the end of the season, but I think what you've said has been completely true of how City have worked their way back in since Boxing Day. Because Pep's gone to company whenever he can. He's gone to Aguero. Aguero's led. Played practically every minute, hasn't he? Silva, De Bruyne, two more of the captains, Fernandinho. He's turned to those players and said, you are going to be the ones who pick us back up and take us through. Yeah. And that's a big reason why and arguably back the new, in this race. I know you want to talk about him, so let's, you know, introduce him now if you like. The new player in that in that group is Bernardo Silva. And Bernardo Silva has arguably been City's best player this season. And right from pre-season, he hit the ground running when not after the rest of the players weren't even there. And you wondered, is this because it's pre-season? Is it because it's against teams that are only half cooked? Is it because he's the senior player in the squad? But he hit the ground running 
doing in pre-season and he's never let up and he has become not that I ever doubted that this would be the case because I loved watching him when he played in Monaco and those two games particularly against City and I always felt he would do it but now you're seeing something really special from Bernardo Silva and I think he's got not only all the skills and the work rate that people talk about but he has that X factor that 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 difference between company and Van Dyke, that difference between Aguero and Salah that I'm trying to give a name to and the only thing I can say is X factor and I think Bernardo Silva has that as well yeah and there's been talk this week Si about um, rumoured to be maybe signing a new six year contract obviously yet to be confirmed I think if it does happen I think every City fan will be delighted about that news and in terms of the season as a whole play of the season maybe City do go on and win the league he's got to surely be in the shelf for it yeah I he's one of them because I think maybe it, it, there's so it, many players a, well, with, uh, that fashionable I think the, that don't the get last it. player of the month has just been announced and Van Dijk has beaten three City players to it and I think player of the year will be Van Dijk beating four City players even if they don't win the league at least oh yeah because Van Dijk is the undoubted star of the Liverpool team whereas I think having watched City every week that Bernardo is the star of the team but I think Raheem Sterling has contributed more goals and assists than him and come up in more sort of match winning moments Aguero has led the team Laporte's been at least one of the top two defenders in the league Fernandinho is irreplaceable so again you, you just kind of you know I think they will all take votes off each other and Bernardo won't be but if you took Pep, the, if Pep you took called Bern- him the best player in the league on Saturday so I'm sure Bernardo will be happy with that so there's two different questions here you talk, you, you're introducing the subjects of player of the season generally in the Premier League what about if you took that out and you were saying City's player of the year well the same goes you know I, I think for me it would be between Bernardo and Sterling to me, it'd be Bernardo. I mean, I absolutely accept that Sterling's had a fabulous season. And yeah. When he came on, for example, um, against, was it West Ham when he yeah, came on later yeah. on? When um, they both came on. Yeah, yeah, them two made a huge difference and you immediately thought there's threat here and, and, and this is what City have needed. And obviously, it felt to me anyway as if Pep had rested the two of them and that's yeah. why they weren't in veil. And then as soon as they came on, you saw the huge impact that they made. So I agree with you about Raheem and Laporte and... And all the and Fernandinho, who's my player of the year last year, City player of the year mm-hmm. last year. But to me, personally, with nine games to go, but of course, if if you if City go on to win the league and somebody has an unbelievable nine games now, yeah. it wouldn't matter who it was, they'd end up with yeah, player of the yeah. year, wouldn't they? Yeah. But for me it'd be Bernardo at the what, moment. Yeah. What do you see in Bernardo when you I mean for an attacker midfielder, what do you think separates him from the rest of maybe that's maybe the top attacker midfielders well, in the Premier see, League? Well you see him playing on that right hand side, right? That I mean he doesn't just play on that right hand side, but he does predominantly, I suppose, play on the right hand side. And you we've watched a couple of times when Riyad Mahrez has played in that role and Bernardo does all the things that Riyad Mahrez should be doing and from his track record at Leicester City can do um, 
very close, intricate control, stretching to win balls, um, you know, the, the never giving up. I mean, you might say he's lucky sometimes because he'll go into a challenge and it'll look as if he's lost it, but he'll emerge on the other side with the ball. Whereas it feels, to, and I, I'm not just comparing him to Riyad Mahrez, but it's it's a good comparison because they both played, both play predominantly in the same position. So you can compare like for like. But when Mahrez goes into those situations at the moment, and he might be a completely different player next year, but at the moment he tries something, it doesn't work and he's lost the ball. Bernardo tries something, but his absolute never-say-die bundle of energy allied with tremendous balance and skill, low centre of gravity, means he often emerges with the ball into a position of great danger. And that's what I want to see ultimately from Mares, and still hope that he's going to deliver it. But that is the thing that makes Bernardo different. Uh, you know, that people compare the two silvers. It's understandable. They're both of a similar height. They're both left-footed. Uh, they both same haircut now. Yeah, same haircut. <laughs> Maybe not the beard, but um, but but I don't I don't think they're actually as similar as you think. I think they're different types of players. And I'm going to say something now that you'll laugh at, right? But I can see a little bit of Messi in uh, in Bernardo. I think he has got that really close control. Absolutely. Yeah. And that makes him potentially, because he's still only 23, 24, 24 yeah. you know, he, he could become even better than he is now. And I'm really excited about City offering him a, a six-year deal. And his whole, his whole demeanour, his whole attitude, everything about him, work rate, is top of the top of the league, you know. Yeah. I, I, I should add as well, I've not bothered to say this recently, but you can have it as a podcast exclusive. Um, we got a plane down to Southampton and back for the Bournemouth game and coming back, um, both Bernardo and David Silva were on our flight because they'd had to stay behind to do the the doping tests or whatever. And they were tired and, you know, they were clearly just wanted to go home but they posed for pictures with every City fan that wanted a picture and they just like they made grown adults giddy just by giving up like 30 seconds of their time and I just thought it was kind of brilliant all what football is about they didn't they didn't go out of the way but they they took just like taking pictures just made made the day for a lot of City fans who'd made who'd already seen their team win but you know afterwards they were like this has made my day, my week, yeah. my year. This is amazing. Can't believe they've done that with us. And it was just, you know, summed up what nice guys they are yeah. as well. Well as done to that. I mean, presumably that footballs. meant that you and Stuart uh, had even less adoration than normal. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> we, we only had to pose for about five minutes for selfies. But, um, <laughs> but, uh, now, fair play to them. I mean, they could easily just sat there and maybe went to sleep with a massive... Beat headphones on, yeah, whatever, but yeah, but yeah, they were, you know, they were talking to to the fans, and it, you know, as much as it's about this great title race, it, it is nice to see the human side of it, and and footballers rewarding fans, really. Yeah, another game down. Another, I think we're moving into game week thirty now in City yes. season, the Premier League. So fast approaching that final final hurdle as you could say and it's Watford this weekend so I, I mean in, in terms of injury updates from the Bournemouth game we saw was it John Stones I think went off injured you, th- you think yeah. he should be okay to, Stones, to be back Stones was more of a risk uh, more avoiding a risk than um, sort of 
a recurrence of an injury because he's only just come back. De Bruyne tried to play sort of a through ball and then sat down and immediately said, no, I'm done. Um, Pep didn't really give a time on it. De Bruyne, when we spoke to him, seemed to say be okay. Didn't think it was too bad, but he still might be touch and go for the weekend. Yeah, I feel like I've asked this question a few times before, but do you think Gab- this might be your chance for Gabriel Jesus to maybe have a start? He's going to come into the play somewhere because with all these games to go, you can't expect Sergio Aguero to keep just doing what he's doing, which is fabulous. I mean, he did. He looked tired, didn't he? He did, but he somehow digs down. I yeah. mean, he looks more tired when he walks off. <laughs> <laughs> but when he's playing in the game, because yeah. this even went through my mind while I was watching the game, I thought you always look so tired when you walk up. But you look like there's not an ounce of energy left in your body. Yet, throw a ball on a pitch and chase after it and he always finds the energy, doesn't he? Yeah. But you can't expect him to keep doing that. Jesus is going to have to step up. We've seen enough times now where Raheem Sterling has dropped into the number nine. I think that'll happen as well in games. Um, And I think he... but, But... is Jesus going to be as, as predominant in front of goal? I don't know. But the way things are going with these blanket defences and the crunch games, maybe we're going to see a lot less now of these four and fives and, and records being broken. And maybe it is going to be about one nils and and, and just getting that, that way through. And there's no reason Jesus can't do that. There's no reason why defenders and midfielders can't contribute an odd goal every now and again. And if it means that Aguero's importance in some way goes down and, and everybody can play the part then in a way that might actually be might even be for City's good maybe we'll see two up front you, you think so has Pep well, ever done two up front yeah I think um, if anyone was as negative as Bournemouth I think you could have Sterling and Sane as your wing backs and that sort of means you can still cram a load of midfielders in and have Aguero and Jesus. I don't think they will, but it's an option at least because I think after Guardiola seemed to settle on it as like the way to beat these ultra-defensive teams playing two up front, but he's he's moved away from it for... Well, that introduces a whole different argument here, which uh, obviously Mendy and Kyle Walker were signed really to be... You just described it as being Sterling and Sane playing in the wing-back roles. But mm-hmm. if you've got a fully fit, fully functional Mendy and Kyle Walker playing in the full-back roles, yeah. that is exactly what they are, isn't it? Yes. You know, but is Mendy going to get but, in now ahead of Zinchenko? If you've got a fully fit Mendy and Walker, you've got something that you haven't had since you signed Mendy, really. Apart but, from but, like but four Zinch- games. Zinchenko has impressed so much recently. Yeah. Does Mendy get back in now? Well, uh, Zinchenko doesn't quite play the same way as not Mendy, ex- so I'm well, not. But, exactly. But I'm not sure Mendy would get in anyway. I think the mood around him at the minute is not very positive. You know, they've they've said that they will be signing. They are trying to sign a left back this summer, and that is you know not as backup to Mendy. It's to compete for the the left back spot because Mendy's been injured for two years basically and as as good as he is when he plays you can't rely on someone who breaks down I think Zinchenko's making his position his own now 
Do you think he, do you think it'd been a bit maybe it might be a bit harsh if last, City last season obviously Fabian Delph played that role quite a bit in Mendy's absence and he almost whether it was done through necessity from Pep or because of the type of player that Fabian Delph is and the lack of alternatives he felt at that stage or whether that now has been a deliberate thing, I don't know. But Fabian Delph played the left-back role a, a bit more similar to Zinchenko than certainly the Mendy would play it. He wasn't bombing up and down the wing. He doesn't have that speed. Perhaps hasn't got that crossing ability. Comes inside, so he would tuck inside Delph, yeah. more. Now Zinchenko, even though he's a left-winger or a, a number 10, or whatever, um, admit you know he's self-admitted he's not a fullback. The way he has played that left-back role, I feel as if it's a little bit of Mendy in that because he can get down the left, because he he can cross, because that is where he grew up playing in that position. He can do a bit of that, but he's also got a lot of the Fabian Delph type of left back. So I wonder if by accident we've sort of found. A, new, a different way but but Pep won't only want one way and that's perhaps why he'll look at another fullback as well because the alternative as you say of having these two attacking fullbacks which is clearly what the plan was originally when he signed them um, is still a valuable one to play but in these nine league games where we've talked about is it going to be about grinding out one nil wins and not playing on the counter attack which is why City possibly have the advantage rather than Liverpool are more geared up then the counter-attack suits Mendy and Kyle Walker more than it suits let's say Danilo and Zinchenko or whatever yeah. because those aren't the, the two fast wingers so it's interesting to see how that's going to go in these next nine games yeah very interesting and you know when Mendy and Walker were signed at the start of last season the plan was to play 3-5-2 um, bring Sterling and Sane into central positions and it was only because of Mendy's injury that they scrapped that so it's you know a sliding doors moment I guess to think that because of Mendy's injury City went back to 4-3-3 and won the title with 100 points be yeah. interesting to see what might have happened or not happened I feel like with nine games to go we're going to have so many more swings oh yeah as you just mentioned there, I mean, this, if obviously City go through into the semi-final FA Cup, there's going to be fixture build-up where Liverpool play more games. So you just get that sense that there's going to be so many more but, twists but and turns. But also, Liverpool have been so good this season that, you know, it would be a surprise if they didn't fight all the way until the penultimate game at least because they have been so, so good and so good at getting results as much as performances for... 29 games so it'd be a surprise suddenly collapse exactly yeah they're not going to go away I think I still think that City are going to in these last nine games are probably going to have to you know aim to win at least eight of them and maybe draw one (sighs) big call Liverpool's fixture list is I don't want to say easier but it looks easier on paper doesn't it City would rather have the games that Liverpool have got than the games they've got so that's another reason why Liverpool can definitely still win this title. Remains to be seen. We'll, we will see. Thank you, Ian. Thank you, Si. Great having you on. Have a um, nice morning. I did welcome in the evening <laughs> yeah. before, so have a nice rest, rest we'll, of we'll, your we'll, morning. We've we'll, we'll, we'll been recording that long. We've been recording that long. 
I, we'll be back, I think, some, probably sometime middle of next week, in a week's time. So if you haven't already, do subscribe to us on Acast or Apple Podcasts and you'll get all the podcasts when they're upload, uploaded, even, straight into your notifications. Thank you for joining us and we'll see you next week. <laughs>